Welcome to Rotten Radio. Rotten Radio is a monthly podcast we bring you the first Wednesday of the month with the Rotten Brothers, Father Paul Rutten, Pastor of Immaculate Conception Parish in Watertown, Father John Rutten, Pastor of St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, and Joe Rutten, Professor and Director of the Benedictine Institute for Leadership, Ethics, and Social Justice at Mount Marty College. Let's join them now for a little faith, family, and plenty of fun. Good morning, America, and the Netherlands, and China, and Ghana, Africa, and wherever our friends are at. Uh, it's great to be with you all. You might be surprised, but that amazing introduction came from the other half of the egg. That's me, Father John Rutten from St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota. We are here for an amazing episode of Rutten Radio uh, with the other two. I am going to throw it over to my brother. Oh, Father Paul. Which one? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. He's pointing <laughs> oh, at me. You can't see. <laughs> I was pointing right at He's pointing at me. But uh, So we'll try not to forget about you, Joe. Uh, I know what it's like to be not in studio and just listen to two people talk. No, it's a little, it's a little different. I feel disconnected. Yeah, from and you're not going to be quite as in that, charge, so we're just going to talk right it over. It reminds you. me that technology actually does change the way we relate to each other because this that is not does. the same as being in the studio with you. Mm, but there we go, uh, Father Paul Rutten, pastor of Immaculate Conception in Watertown. Excellent. Well, it's good to be together, brothers, and. I'm sort of having a little nostalgia right now because the last time you were out of the studio and now that you're out of the studio, Joe, I'm missing the other family member. Remember before when it was live, oh, you couldn't yeah. just call oh, in. Right, right, we right. had to have mom here. <laughs> I mean, mom's or been gone Laura. for so long. People have stopped talking about how awesome she was. For a while, I was a little bit embarrassed. I thought maybe we were going to get kicked off the show and they were going to start doing Monica Rutten's yeah. hour. Sort of like David Letterman's mom. <laughs> yeah. Everybody wanted, Every, David, everybody everybody wanted, wanted David Letterman's mom. It's totally true. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't make it through all the family members. and mm-hmm. But, you know. You got to follow sometimes the way that it happens and you try and force it against the grain. We never expected that that's what Rutten Radio was going to be a part of. And now it's changed and we go with the flow. So, brothers, great to be with you uh, on this, the beginning of May. Uh, We wish all of our listeners a blessed spring. uh, And we're going to just kick it off with a little bit of introduction from us, what's been going on in life. And then we're going to jump into an outstanding movie review, Unplanned. I'm sure you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. And we'll give you a little bit of our commentary right after our personal commentary. Paul. Yeah. You know, it's always good to get uh, through Lent. It seemed like it was the Lent that wouldn't end uh, with the weather and just it just seemed to be a lot. Uh, and to be able to celebrate Easter, May is always filled with so many great things. You've got spring coming, Mother's Day, uh, just around the corner. Uh, we always clean up our cemetery, get our cemetery ready, all of those things. So I just always find that that May is hopeful. Uh, you really see the new life coming and cleaning things out. So uh, And then you wind down at the same time because school will be coming to a close and all of those things. And so it's really kind of this interesting time of transition. Uh, but it's great to be in the middle of Easter as well. Excellent. And Mr. Rutten, what's going on? Well... You know, I uh, just uh, winded down a school year. So second year at Mount Marty College is quickly coming to a wraps. And uh, another great year and a great, uh, and I call it the movement at the Mount, baby. So we, 
we just keep chugging along and uh, doing great things down here. And then obviously my personal life, you know, three kids always keep me busy and just happy to have spring here, to be honest with you. So. Hey, a few weeks ago, you put a picture on Facebook of you and Leo wanting to treat him to a special, uh, you know, in South Dakota, for all of you not from South Dakota, in the middle of April, we always get a torrential weather uh, event (laughs) and snow and blizzard, everything came through. So school was called off. And that Facebook post, Joe, was so funny. Uh, Tell us. Well, I just, you know, and I always think about, uh, you know, being a dad and how do you be a dad and how do you not like spoil your kid, but let your kid know he's special. And so one thing we like to do is go get donuts on their feast days. So if it's the Feast of St. Leo, then we'll go get a donut Or Well, we had school canceled and I had to, I had to work, but yet I also had Leo with me. And I thought, well, you know what, we'll go to, I'll bring him to Josiah's with me to, to have uh, Josiah's has outstanding Pop-Tarts. Like mind blowing mm. pop. Oh, and so Homemade. I was gonna go bring. Homemade. He knows about the pop tart, so I was like, "Dude, let's go get a pop tart." And he was so excited when we got down there. And Josiah's had closed also because of the weather. And the photo was the most honest picture of disappointment in the young child's heart. And so it was like this. Like he couldn't even. So anyway, we uh, we ended up settling for Flyboy Donuts, and I got him a head-sized chocolate donut. Oh, <laughs> it was as big as his head. I was, I was going to say there is that photo of him uh, when the Kansas City Chiefs lost, and he's got the helmet on his head. Uh, that <laughs> right. was that was another classic uh, moment of disappointment. <laughs> yeah, you know when when Jesus says to be childlike, I often think of those types of like. The, the pure expression of humanity, mm-hmm. you know, bad and and good, you know, their joys and their doubt, their highs, their lows, all that. And I'm just like, that is completely authentic disappointment right yep. there. Yeah. Yeah. So it anyway, was yep, uh, the uh, other day, the other day on Facebook, Catherine put a picture of, I think it's, well, I know it's Caitlin. Uh, this was actually, I think, the same day as Leo or something, and maybe it wasn't on Facebook, but she told Caitlin to go out and play. <laughs> and so Caitlin took her those those uh, hammock things, you know, they're uh-huh. popular now. Took her hammock off and tied her hammock up and laid in her hammock, you know. And I think oh, sure. Catherine was like, "No, it's like there's snow outside. Like if it's bright, you know, get out and play, you know." And uh, and it's just such a beautiful thing to see that every human being has a personality, mm-hmm. and when you do live in that authentic place of your heart, the personality comes forth. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing to see. When I looked at the those pictures, I just thought, "That's Caitlin Kendall, uh, mm-hmm. and that's Leo Rutten." Uh, and it's, then you sort of have to ask yourself, like, who is John Rutten? Mm-hmm. Um, because as we grow up, we lose that sense of who we are. We sort of conform to expectations, or we're afraid, or we've been hurt, or whatever. But. I'm Father John Rutten, grateful to be here to begin this month of May. It was an outstanding April for us at St. John Paul II Parish. We celebrated our first anniversary as a parish in Harrisburg. So it's been a long journey in many ways. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. It's been awesome. Did you from the ceiling in the Harrisburg Auditorium? No, you know, the one difficult part is our patron is Father or is uh, St. John Paul II. So there's like 5,000 things we could celebrate. You know, oh, it happened sure. on Divine Mercy Sunday. He instituted Divine Mercy Sunday. We celebrate on his birthday. We celebrate on his feast day. Yeah. There's the honor founding, all these things. So, and then because we were founded on April 8th, which was Divine Mercy Sunday, 
last year, mm-hmm. it moves right because it's tied to Easter. So uh, we just had a little party, and then we're we're going to celebrate in October every year oh. uh, our big party. So that was a beautiful thing. And then personally, I'm just you know always discovering that there's something more. I said to Scott Miller's the seminarian f- with us for the year at the parish, and I said to him the other day. Um, something I learned uh, through some people that helped me get me sober. And they say, you know, you can only be two years sober at two years sober. Oh, yeah. You can only be five years sober at five years sober. You know, there's this, well, what I've realized is at a certain point, you just stop having expectations that you change. And so I'm all of a sudden like, wow, at 41 years old, you can be 41 years old. And I wonder what I'm going to be at 42 years old. And I wonder what I'm going to be at 45 years old. And like, you know, that, that realization, I don't want to just be the old curmudgeon priest all my life. I want to be the priest that at 75 years old, people still say, oh my gosh, did you see him? He's like still seeing Jesus all the time, you know? Yep. So that's where I'm at in my personal life and in my priesthood and grateful to jump into our movie review, Unplanned, the true life story of Abby Johnson, the woman who was a director for a Planned Parenthood clinic in Texas mm-hmm. uh, uh, and through a process of God's grace and mercy um, has now become a great advocate for the pro-life movement and for the dignity of all human persons beginning at conception. So, um, Father Paul, why don't you kick us off with your um, thoughts about things and what struck you about it? And Joe, you can take it from there. Yeah, uh, I had read the book, which I think gave me a little bit of a different sort of perspective as in whenever you watch movies, uh, if you've seen the book about it. So I had some background. Um, I wasn't really sure exactly what to expect uh, for the movie only because, you know, we've seen a lot of Christian movies these days uh, and and sometimes they seem so either spoon fed or they seem kind of low rated that, that in our culture today, we, we expect such perfection out of movies um, so in that sense, I went into it not expecting a whole lot from that aspect, but knowing her story, I, I was really just going to be fascinated by what was going to happen. Um, and so it is the true life story of this woman, Abby Johnson, who was the youngest uh, director of a Planned Parenthood clinic. Um, and through her work at, at Planned Parenthood, she, her eyes are opened, uh, to the reality of, of what she was a part of. Uh, for me, some of the things that, that I really took away that challenged me was the ability for those who loved her to accompany her while she was doing something they were completely opposed to. You know, her husband was as pro-life as they come. Uh, and, and just to, to see, like, like, he still walked with her. Like, uh, and, and so often in our life today, I feel like if someone's made a choice that I disagree with, I just sort of cut them out. Like, well, I guess we can't be friends anymore. Uh, <laughs> you know, because we don't know what to do because we feel like, well, if I'm still friends with them, am I supporting their lifestyle? Am I supporting their decisions? All those things. Uh, but to really see that, that, and in the book, they really show the tension that it causes uh, in the midst of all, and her parents as well, you know. And then the, the honest reality that she thought she was doing good. You know, like I watched an interview with her and she's like, I, I really felt like I was helping women. Mm. Uh, 
And we look on the other side like, well, how could anybody ever, you know, well, no, she's being honest. She's saying she really felt like she was helping women. And can I accept that and, and, and realize that someone really could be blinded, sort of like St. Paul, you know, when St. Paul's killing the Christians, he sees himself as doing a good and it isn't until the scales fall that he really realizes what he's done. Uh, and, and so I really could see sort of Abby Johnson uh, kind of had that St. Paul moment uh, in her life where the scales just sort of kept falling off and falling off uh, in the midst of all of that. Um, so those were kind of the, at least the beginning uh, for me of, of the movie. Joe? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you, two things. One, you talked about having her eyes open. I often refer to uh, an analogy that Bishop, uh, Archbishop, now Robert, Car- uh, Bishop Carlson told me about uh, puppies when they're born and that uh, they're born with their, their eyelids closed and then they'll open them. And that if you open a newborn puppy's eyelids on your own, that you actually can scar their lens. Oh, well. And it'll stay permanently scarred for the rest of their life. Uh, and I've always thought about that in relationship to, mo- to evangelization. And how it is that I propose the gospel, how it is that I propose truth, goodness, beauty, justice to the world, to a whole different demographic of peoples, that vary every day based upon the person I encounter that's in front of me, and that I have to be prudent, thoughtful, tactful. Peter Kreft, a great uh, philosopher and theologian at Boston College, talks talks about this in apologetics that we have to we have to have tact, the tone of our voice, the language we use, the words, the the location, the place. Am I the right person to be evangelizing this person, or is it somebody else's responsibility to tell them? Am I in friendship with them? All these principles of how we live in relationship to others and propose the gospel as a way to authentically live, that the movie gave me new insight into saying, you know what, I can walk with the world and be in the world, not of it, but I can be in it and I can propose it and I can love and do all this stuff and I can still hold an integrity to my beliefs and to what I believe is true, good, just, um, and still be in a relationship with everybody else that might not think or act or believe the way I do, but to do it in a way that also challenges the other. Um, so that I, I, I help them come to a place where they open their eyes or they come to the awakening through God's grace on their own, not because I hit them over the head with something or I told them that they're... So this delicate balance of how do you go about living out the gospel in the world... I thought Abby's story does a beautiful job of helping me understand and all of us, I think, understand how do we live in the, in the world as Christians, proposing something that maybe the world rejects, but in a way that allows them to still be open to the message and not shut down or not kind of turn me off because of how it is that I live or how it is that I propose the gospel. Yeah, which is interesting. We're saying these things in light of our last Rutten Radio when we talked about education. Mm-hmm. Because in a real way, this is about education. How do you educate someone? How do you bring someone to a fuller truth? How do you help the world see what is good? Um, and what you're talking about here, both of you, seems to be a similar method to what is used in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, which is a 
religious education method. It's kind of like Montessori, where you would say, you don't just shovel people information and then have them repeat back to you because there's something more you want for them than just the right information. And I think in a moral way, this is where the tension can come is if all we're doing is trying to get laws enacted, we're just doing the same thing we do in the classroom to kids, which is shoveling information right. into them and trying to get them to get it, to repeat it back to us. But what we really want is for the other person to come to an awareness of something that sets them on a path along with us. And so we don't have to keep shoveling anything in. Well, what does that mean then? That means that we have to reach the center of the person. Right. And, and then we have to ask ourselves, is that where we're coming from? Because if we're not coming from the center of our human person, our dependence, our sinfulness, our need for a power greater, then we don't know how to translate that. But if we're coming from that place, we say, oh, we just got to reach the same place that was reached in me. Right. How'd that happen? Well, it didn't happen by somebody hitting me over the head and make me want to run away from him all right. the time. No, sometimes that did work. There was a couple of people that it was like, <laughs> I'm really glad they told me it that way, yep. you know? But hey, I, really, right there though, John, stay right there. That for me is the challenge. To the know the difference. Of the di like right there. So you're saying, well, actually, somebody did hit me once. Oh, oh, all right. So it isn't that sometimes we're not supposed to use the velvet hammer or that we're not supposed to use the hammer or that but that I have to discern that. Yeah. That, so that's the real challenge because I think I, I struggle with the either or approach. Like either we're, we're out there, we're up there, we're in your face, we're, this is it, this is, or we're like, oh no, it's all good. Everybody's good. And we're all just, you know, kind of do our thing and get along and you have yours and I have mine. Well, I think you like saw that, it. I think we see it in the movie through the woman that kept in dialogue with Abby Johnson, mm -hmm. which was, what could you tell about her? She really loved Abby Johnson. Mm -hmm. She wasn't constantly bringing up this whole thing. What did she know? Well, whether she knew this or not, what do I believe about it? She carried within her this new thing. Like her standing there was a proposal that provokes Abby Johnson, was a, was a means of educating in my person, I am someone, they say uh, someone who is alive when they walk in a room provokes everyone. Mm -hmm. If the people have a heart that's open, they're provoked to pay attention. If the people have a heart that's closed or hardened, they get angry. They push away. And so it's kind of that same thing. Like first I realized my person, my life carries with it something that reaches another. Um, but then from that place, if I'm really in love... I'm not forceful to the other person. And you you can only I can only look at it when I look at my experience. I can tell when I'm in relationship with somebody and all I want from them is for them to change according to my idea. Mm -hmm. Versus when I'm in a real relationship with them and it's sort of like things just happen and you say, oh, have you ever thought about this? And mm -hmm. um, I was a priest, new priest in my first couple of years. And I knew a, a person both in the church and I knew them outside the church in the community and they uh, outside the community used to use the name of the Lord all the time drove me crazy mm -hmm. I never have experienced like this like would you stop saying his name like that like this is our savior and right. it wasn't a moralistic it was really in me I was like this is like grading me like a chalkboard mm -hmm. well I had the smart because of my own fallenness not to go say, Hey, shut up. Yep. <laughs> 
One day, like six months later, I learned. I went and had uh, lunch at this man's house. I learned how to make uh, cake, cake in a cup. Oh yeah, you ever had cake oh, in a yeah, cup? Yeah. I never heard of such a thing. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I can still see myself in this person's apartment. It was on the second floor, and uh, it was a beautiful day. And I got to know this man. And one day, totally unplanned, it never occurred to me. After mass, we're sitting. Almost, we're standing on the curb, almost by the mm-hmm. church, having this conversation, and it just occurred to me, "Hey, uh, do you ever realize how often you use the Lord's name in vain?" Oh, you know I do. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to know? I never heard the name of the Lord used in vain out of that man's mouth again. Well, but when I said it. I wasn't angry. I wasn't like demanding. I was in a, a place of real compassion. And I just was like, hey, you know what? I've been thinking about this. You, you, do, you, do you see that? Yeah. And so you do have to put the thing before it. I mean, you got to teach. You got to yeah. put the other option before people to know for them to, but you can't just do it as a force. So I think the experience is the place I'm learning how to do it, Joe. Well, and and so that's you know I, I I work with Jason Heron, Doctor Professor Heron down here. He's an amazing, amazing man, um, and he just constantly challenges me in a healthy way. Uh, but I he's always putting me before something that challenges me in my faith life, my personal life, my life in general. Just particularly. Um, I never feel like I got it or like, yep, yep, that's the way. Or like, there's this constant thing that it's like, um, yeah, this constant uh, assessment that challenges me in a way that says maybe Jesus, the gospel, and the church aren't as e- easily um, categorized as I want them to be. Mm-hmm. That ought, that I too pull a mirror out of my pocket and look at it and see my form of the church and Jesus and the faith. And that and that I have to be challenged as well to stop and say, all right, maybe there is more going on here than just what I think. But then to trust the grace of Christ, the grace of God, to be present as I live and minister in the world. But particularly in, in our spots as priests and as teachers, it's difficult because it's like... W- we do believe we're here to propose something. Mm-hmm. We don't think it's just like it doesn't matter or to each his own or that, ev- but not everybody is different and the circumstances are different and truth might not change. Justice might not change, but the way in which we live it out and communicate it to the world certainly is not black and white. Right. I think the, the other thing that I, I guess I discover more and more now is when we, now that we watch movies to review how often I really have a preconceived desire or notion of what the movie should or shouldn't do or tell me. So I found myself again, like watching this movie being critical of, is it going to work? Is it going to convince people? Is it just going to be the choir watching the movie? Blah, 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 blah. And, and I couldn't just let the movie again, just be the movie. And, and maybe someday I'll be able to sit before a movie and, and just let the movie be, uh, you know, and so there was some of that. You know, I think it's obvious, you know, the, the story. Uh, but I think the more I hear people watching it, uh, the more people really are moved by the reality of it all. Uh, and it is, you know, again, opening people's eyes and changing people's eyes to it all. I also do think, at least for us, 
we were raised in this movement. And so some of this isn't a surprise, mm. uh, you know, the way in which people approach the Planned Parenthood clinics, you know, whether they're dressed like the, you know, the angel of death with a sickle uh, or whether they're just there quietly praying a rosary, uh, you know, what goes on inside the abortion clinic, all of these things. It's like, well, w- we knew those things. Uh, but what I did think was important was uh, when, when Abby talked about the power of prayer and that it really disrupted their work. Uh, and, and so whether I'm standing outside the abortion clinic or I'm just at my home to not doubt the power of prayer, to just be praying uh, for people. Uh, and we may never see the results of it. You know, you think about like that, the the African-American girl who was going in with her daughter uh, and the mother of her was standing on the other side of the fence, like pleading with her not to go in, uh, you know, and your heart just breaks in the middle of all of this because you just sort of feel helpless. Uh, but to not let yourself despair, you know, to not doubt that, you know, the prayers that we pray uh, really do have an impact on people's lives, even when we can't see it. Uh, I thought that was, you know, an important uh, lesson for us, you know, because I do think, you know, <laughs> you feel like, oh my gosh, we've been at this my entire life. Uh, and it just feels like you, you just can't win. Uh, but we do, you know, I mean, people's lives are changed. and uh, Right, right. I think the grace, there's, I'm, I continually try to figure this whole thing out of uh, the balance between work and grace and will and grace and me and God and who gets what done and who does what. The reality is, is I have to go, I have to do what I feel called to do and, and, and exercise the gifts that God's called me. Like there's a freedom of me to live in the world, but there is the key principle that actually changes the world isn't Joe Rutten. Right. It's, and it's the grace of Jesus Christ. It's, and so then how do I live as a conduit, right? How do I best uh, live in a way that allows the other or the world to receive the thing which I love and believe in so deeply in a way that they're open to that grace? This is a beautiful place to wrap up our first segment because uh, we're all getting deeper into something. And I believe it's the heart that you mentioned, Paul, you couldn't let the movie be the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, that's living out of exterior things than your human heart and what's in front of you. And this is the way we all are. I mean, I'm like, I always got like 5,000 things going on. <laughs> I'm, I'm not living out of this human position, mm-hmm. but when we live out of the human position and we learn to live with what's right in front of us, In dialogue, we're in dialogue with the one who created the moment right in front of us. We become his instruments by being alive. How do we change the world? By being who God created us to be, which is to be in union with him. And in a sense, the minute we're praying for the person and their conversion, we are praying, Lord, be me, be in me, be in me, allow me to be with you. And so we will be back with you on the other side of this hour. You're listening to Rutten Radio on the RPR Network. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more of the Rutten Brothers after these messages. 
Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio. Did you know the signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming? Have you ever thought about running radio spots on the RPR network? We want to partner with you to help gain exposure for your business in front of a very faithful customer base. To find out more about your options, please call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday on Real Presence Live, it's Straight Talk from 9.30 to 10 a.m. Central. You're addressing critical Catholic issues in a fun way. Straight Talk is your opportunity to share questions and comments on topics relating to the faith or on things happening in the world around us with our local hosts and priests. My question is... I have some questions about the bishop. Very good questions. Thanks for the guidance. Straight Talk, 9.30 to 10 Central, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings on Real Presence Live. Hello, I'm Linda Baldwin with the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. We are now open, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. We're located at 3709 South Grange, just west of Costco. We stock Catholic books, artwork, saint medals, rosaries, Bibles, parish supplies, plus mystic monk coffee and gifts for those special occasions like baptisms, First Communion, and Confirmation. I look forward to your visit to the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. Hi everyone, the Real Presence Radio Spring Live Drive fundraiser is coming up May 8th through the 10th. Please plan to call in and pledge your support of your Catholic radio station. We'll be taking this family reunion all across the listening area throughout the three days from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have a blast and we cannot do it without you. Please consider becoming an active member of this family of faith and hope if you're not already. It's the Spring Live Drive on the RPR Network, May 8th through the 10th. Jesus told a story, and I had this vision of people, like he's telling a story, and they're trying to say, you know what this guy just said? And I could see that story spreading. And of course, how did all the people who came to hear about Jesus, there wasn't you know, the, the communication abilities we have now. And so you had people sharing the story with somebody else, and people coming and saying, I want to learn more. And you know, here's a guy walking by listening and going, I want to get more of that. I want to share more of that. So it, this is a great tool for evangelization. In a very, very practical way, we're taking the message of Jesus, the stories of Jesus, and we're, we're simply putting them out there so that people can hear them. And there's a lot of people who very intentionally listen to Catholic Radio, but I'm guessing there's a lot of people who are flipping through the channels, we're walking by the open door of, of the, the tractor cab or whatever right. it is, and they hear something and it triggers and they're saying, that's really interesting. And that's how the crowds grew. And that's how the crowds grow. This is Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more faith, family, and fun with the Rutten Brothers. Welcome back to Rutten Radio. This is Father John Rutten leading the show today. <laughs> You're doing a great job. I feel. What do you think of that, Father John? It's, it's a little different, isn't it? Yeah, it is a little different. You got to know what you're doing, where you're going. You got to be paying attention. Got to move. Yeah. And you it just happens. People that there's social media out there they can follow. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah and then and then, <laughs> and, well done. And and then you got downloaded on. The- How is it supposed to be? Okay, why don't you let me lead? But thanks for the reminder. Uh, There's social media out there, folks. Rutten Radio is available on Facebook. That's the easiest way to find us. You can find the family prayer that people often ask for. Uh, You can find the previous episodes, even Cafe Press. You can find Cafe Press Press? there. I had someone... 
Aaron. Oh yeah, Donnelly. Donnelly oh, yeah, up Ferguson. in Calgary. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Ferguson was yeah. like, "Hey, I want a mug." And so we got her the link so that she could yeah. get herself a coffee. She was mug. having coffee with us the other day. Yeah, yeah. She posted it on her Instagram. So, folks, if you're out there and you're just <laughs> loving life right now and you're thinking, "I want to wake up with these three mugs every day," you can do it. It won't be as great to hear all of the chaos in our conversation, but you can look at us. <laughs> and when you look at us, you'll think of us. And when you think of us, don't forget to pray, pray for, for us. us. Please. So you can Facebook, you can find Rutten Radio. You can go to Cafe Press, Rutten Radio for any memorabilia. You can also find us on the Real Presence Radio app. We want to give a shout out to Real Presence Radio. Without uh, this medium, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. Uh, so thanks, Real Presence Radio. And on their app is the easiest way to find every episode of Rutten Radio mm-hmm. going back for a while. So you just go in there, dig around. You'll find it under podcasts, under special events. Mm-hmm. We're considered a special event. <laughs> we are special. I feel pretty special because yep. uh, I get to lead the show today. And then <laughs> underneath that, you're going to find us between Bishop Robert Barron and Father mm-hmm. Mike Schmitz. Schmitz. Now, folks, I don't think we're that special. <laughs> But God puts you wherever he wants you, yeah. and we get to be with them. Yeah. So uh, check it out, guys. Grateful to be on our second half of the show. And our first half with Unplanned is a great movie. We actually, there's so much there, but we yeah. had a great discussion. We're going to continue with that a little bit. And one thing that I uh, recognized is, um, Paul, you said that, you couldn't listen to the mo- watch the movie and let the movie. And so it made me think of the heart. Yeah. And w- what I see in this movie is many different ways to respond to people. Because even on the abortion advocacy side, yeah. you could see people were responding differently. So it wasn't just the pro-life side that had the sort of angry shouters and then the person who had a silent prayerful witness that was uh, what really right. brought about. On that side, you had the director who yeah. sort of had a real maliciousness in her. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then you had Abby, who, I don't know, how could you not? She looks at those parts. She has to, when she doesn't cry or whatever. I mean, that was like, how could you not be moved, Abby, by that? But she wasn't, okay? But no. she still has this heart in her that when she gets up and she comes into the office, she doesn't bemean the the person on the other side of the fence, she she has a hard time when they turn the sprinklers on so the pro-life, she has a hard time doing that. Like yeah. she has a conscience still, even though she's working in that building. Yeah. And then you have other kind of nurses in there and the ones like clipping her fingernails and doing all these odd things. And I'm thinking, this is like a person. <laughs> the yeah. people in that building are persons yeah. and are on varying scales of understanding what they're partaking of. Um, and so there was a sort of a compassion in me to to then really take seriously, Joe, the proposal you said is, how do we live proposing something different? And I could see it's the heart. When I live fully alive, when I live aware that God's presence in me, that's what everyone's looking for. Mm-hmm. And so in the midst of all of their stuff, they can say, well, well that person's happy. And yeah. whether they're pretending or not, they go to bed and they want happiness. Yeah. And if I lose my heart and my awareness that God is merciful to me, that it is not my job to change the world, Jesus does that. Mm-hmm. I can be his instrument, but he's going to use me, not in a way in which I have to like stay up late at night and get up early in the morning and be totally crazy. No, I have mm-hmm. to be alive. 
I have to love my life. I have to know that Jesus Christ is the answer to everything. I got to go to the top of the mountains aware that God created this. And I got to go to the bottom of the poor and serve them in awareness like Mother Teresa, who knew there's a million of them. But Jesus is the one right here. And I'm going to care for this one right here. And I think that sort of has a power we we don't really trust in. So. Uh, I thought that that was a a good dynamic they displayed inside the clinic to help me understand a bit about how to um, reach them. So, uh, Joe, any other thoughts you have about what you saw? Yeah, so this is, uh, I think that for me, the the best place that I like to discuss it is around the abortion issue uh, because it gets straight to the heart. Like, there, I don't think there's nobody... <laughs> that looks at it typically that says this isn't a real issue that has a significant impact on people's lives, at least in the circles I run with. I mean, even any of the people that I know that would support abortion, like I don't know people that are just like, Oh, this is no big deal. Like, Oh, it's just abortion. Like I don't, they might be out there, but that's not the people that I know. The people that I know think that this is, terrible. They prefer that it wasn't necessary, but they think that it ought to be permissible. They think that a woman ought to be able to have this as an option. Uh, And then on the other side, you know, it's like, this is what it is. Like, this is an intentional termination of a human life. This is killing a baby in the womb. Like, that makes it very poignant that, like, all right, now we have an issue that is very real, raw, and in front of people everywhere. But we don't talk about it personally. Like, if you know somebody that's had an abortion, nobody just talks about that. Very few people typically, like, scream, hey, I've had an abortion, or this is something that I'm proud of, or that movement might be in other places, but it's not in my circles that I I know and live in. Um, It's still very... So, point being is this. Abortion is awful. And we need to change the laws. Like, this should not be permitted in human society that you ought to be able to do such a thing. All right? So I completely 100% agree. And I'm of the the philosophy and the belief that says that abortion is the fundamental principle of, of, of human rights, that without... That, 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 without life. That abortion addresses the fundamental existence of life. That all the other issues are secondary to abortion. The minute you permit abortion, everything else becomes secondary. That you have to first permit a person to exist. Then all the other issues come into to play based upon that fundamental premise of existence. And so that type of a conversation that says this is the heart of everything else in social life is this issue. How do we go about that process? Dialogue, discussion. Uh, creating social institutions that reflect positively or negatively our belief system in regard to this this particular principle. So that's what I'm very interested in. How do we go about the dialogue to create just societies where we don't permit such injustice? And what I have found is that relationship to the other person is of utmost importance to changing their minds and their hearts. That simply trying to push through legislation, although I believe in it, and I think we should be doing it, not just on abortion, but I think we should live within a political apparatus. That's what we're trying to... But 
I think we have to be in relationship to people. And the further away from a direct relationship we have with individuals, the more broken the process is or becomes in trying to influence change. And you saw it in the clinic. They were, they were in relationship to Abby Johnson. And therefore, when Abby Johnson opened her eyes, came to a new place, she literally knew where to go and who to go to in order to have or to encounter the transformation with another person that she was feeling in her heart. And I just wonder how good we are at building the friendships and being in relationship with people that are not necessarily like us or think like us or live like us or believe like us, so that we live in a way where if they do have an opening of their eyes, they know where to go and they feel comfortable going there. And that's, I don't know that we always do a great job on the pro-life side of creating that place where people would feel comfortable and say, you know what, there's somebody that would listen to me and help me. I, I shouldn't say that. That's not fair. There are a lot of people that do that and do that wonderfully. So I don't know that that's a fair characterization. But that's what I'm most sensitive to, is that interaction between Abby Johnson's conversion and the fact that she knew where to go when she had her conversion. Very good. Well, it's about relationships. So yeah, and, and my, I guess... That's my, the relationships is at the heart of the whole thing, is that this is a relationship business. Yeah, and Mike, one of the questions I would have is, what makes you open to listening to Jason Heron? Because you you, you hired him, him, right? But, yeah, well, I mean, I... Or no, you didn't hire him. You I helped him, but you I, helped. the one that bridged the gap that... Uh, sure you know, encouraged and invited. and uh, So in some sense, would you say you have a position of power in his regard? Uh, or no? No, I would say that I am a faculty member with Jason Heron, which makes us of equal, you know, this whole, how, but no, I'm a, a faculty member uh, with Jason, and I just was the one that reached out and invited him to consider uh, a job opening. Ah, okay. Yeah. I thought because of the Benedictine so, so. Leadership Institute, you were the director and he was a professor or whatever. Uh, yeah, but there isn't like a formal deal where, no, I, I'm a director of the institute by myself and then I work in partnership with others. Okay. So, uh, but no, he's, he's, he's an equal on the faculty as a faculty member. And the reason though that you asked the question is I trust him. That's mm-hmm. ultimately at the heart. I'm in relationship with him and because I'm in friendship with him, I've grown to a place where I trust him. So it, I know that he won't lead me astray or I trust that he, he won't give me something that will poison me or make me sick. Or So if I'm uncomfortable and I'm like, I just don't know, my experience is, is that Jason actually will lead me in a, in a place, to a place, or propose me think about something that is going to be good for me. Okay, so in some ways then we realize trust is a necessary or is a part of this process. And maybe the relationship there then doesn't work in the way I was thinking, because what does it mean to trust somebody that also holds divergent view views than you? Um, what is it to be in relationship with somebody then that, you know, you have to discern what it is that's being said or mm-hmm. given to you? Uh, because if we can't come to this place, then we can't be in relationship with people that, are different because in a sense, we always are going to have to trust 
that that what they're telling us may or may not be true. Does that make sense? The difficulty is because the world isn't going to be Jason Heron then. So how are you in relationship with somebody like that? And why, why I say that is the heart, I believe the center of us is really a place that sort of sifts through these things and grows that even a difficulty can be inside of say a Catholic parish. Everybody just entrusts the information and the answers to the pastor, to the priest. And we always want to get their approval. Well, no, I want you to open up your heart. And then we become equals on a journey looking for the truth. And we, we take everything in. And so in some sense, if I can go to my heart, then no matter what anyone else is saying to me, I sift it through the things that I know, the things that I've been given, the life that I've shared. Um, and I don't have to be uh, expecting them to give me everything, but I can listen and just listen and say, oh yeah, I don't agree with that, but I understand from my own walk why you're there. And, um, or I, I find that there's always a place to begin with everyone. I'm the one who chooses to go immediately to these things that sort of provoke me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So somebody gives me a cue in regard to some moral issue. And interestingly enough, isn't it always a moral issue? Uh, you know, there was a day when it would have been a theological issue too. And I like go zero in right to it as opposed to beginning with, you know what? The person in the taxi cab bringing me to the airport probably has children <laughs> and would be a place I could begin. Yeah. What's it? What, what do you think? What do you think about your children? And well, you know, tell me about your kids and what, what have they done? And you know what I'm going to find out is his kids or her kids are probably a lot like Leo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then there's like a place to begin that is um, true, a place to begin that we're in common and to just let that move itself in a way um, and start from something different than the thing I often want to like go to so that I can win them over. Um, so. and, and okay, so then this brings us to the place that I was thinking is in the end, the thing that allows me to go out and to do these things is to already know that I am saved, to already know that there's one present to me that's really the answer that I need. And yes, he, Jesus commands us to go out into the world and proclaim the good news. Well, what's the good news? That God is here. <laughs> so all I had to do is say, God is here. You know, the, the Christ is present. The, the spirit is moving, you know, and as we just go out and we are able to really proclaim this, uh, we realize he's the one in charge. And it makes me recall that so many people were moved by the episode we did on Providence. Tons of people have talked to me about that show. Oh, well. They'll even oh, repeat yeah. the three words, providence, providence, providence. And I think, why? Why was, why, what, what resonates in hearts? And I think most people, no matter where they're at on moral issues, no matter what religious faith they, they have, most people feel like we're alone in this. Mm. What does it mean to believe that there is a God of love who is actually walking this whole thing forward with us? Right. And this is about belonging. And this is at the heart of of human anthropology in the academic way and in the basic way it's about being born into community we're born into relationship with each other to each other to community uh, it begins with the family and it goes out from there and so this comes back to the principle that I was talking about before about friendship we have to be in relationship to people 
this is not about in uh, uh, yeah we we have a tendency to pull the issues out of the community and kind of just see the issues as sterile black and white or as just kind of detached from the lived experience of the human community. And once you put them in relationship to the human community, then all of a sudden there's a name and a face that's attached to the thing. And it, and it changes. And my, that's where I'm at. I'm at a point now where I, what I started realizing was as a teacher at O'Gorman, um, I, I came into a conversation we always did ethics, and we'd teach on abortion, and we'd teach on, uh, um, you know, in vitro and and uh, poverty and, uh, you know, all the different social justice issues. Well, as I matured and, and, and came into relationship with people that actually experienced and lived in those experiences specifically, it changed the way in which the the, the theology and the ethics um, engaged with me. All of a sudden, it was a person and their face and their name attached to it. And what it did was, it gave me humanity to it. It gave the ability to, to say, that is so-and-so. Like, I couldn't look at it just and say, and present it in a black and white, sterile, not sterile, whatever, in a manner that just said, oh, this is what it is. This is what the Church teaches. I know what the Church teaches, and most people, to some degree, we can have a conversation about what the Church teaches on issues, but really, it's the impact that the church has on people's lives, the impact that Jesus Christ has on people's lives, is demanding. And if you have a, a, a proposal that demands of another, but you don't have a relationship with that person, you're up a creek without a paddle. You're not going anywhere with it. This objective presentation of a truth or something of a doctrine to a people that you don't have a relationship to it's not going to be very effective. Who has reached out to me after our conversations that we've had here on Rutten Radio are people that I'm in relationship to. I've reached out and said, you know what? This, this impacted me. That person didn't reach out to Paul or to John because they don't know Paul or John. They reached out to the person that they have the relationship to that they're in community with, in communion. And so I think communion community, that there's a fundamental principle there that, that the gospel is lived within. You can't have the doctrine without the communion of the Church. Well, anyway, I pontificate. No, that, that is... <laughs> yeah, I Can guess... I, did, did we just do a mic drop? No response? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. Wait, what, do you think, what are your thoughts there with that? I mean, it kind of... I mean, I, I, I do think there there is that reality that when when you whether it's morality or ethics or whatever, but when you when it is just detached from real life and people, you really do come at it in a different way, uh, and I can see why you know at times people don't want to give the truth because they really are in relationship to these people and they're afraid that the truth is really going to be too hard for them. Uh, and, and so we maybe hesitate to, to say the truth, like, is this really wrong? Or, you know, those things, because we're in relationship and we don't trust that the relationship really is strong enough and that the presence really is there, that, that they do need to hear it at some point, you know, because there's nothing worse than, well, why didn't you tell me this? Like, 
and the aftermath. <laughs> like, why didn't anyone ever tell me this? You know, and it's like, we have to, you know, so then you have to be able to, to, to look at that. And so I do think there is this danger of just trying to throw out the truth without realizing that, that people are involved, that relationships are involved. <laughs> and it drops bombs and it can cause more damage. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I don't know about you, Father John, but like when you preach... I, and some people can do it differently, but you know, Peter Dadov, he could he could get away with this, and maybe people. But if, but it just didn't work for me, where I could kind of just drop bombs of truth on people, and all of a sudden they changed. No, actually, they typically were more hardened in their position yeah. than they were before I dropped the bomb. <laughs> yeah. I guess when I hear all of this, I look at my relationships with people. And realize that when Christ is a real filling, when like he really is real in my life, when I know I am a son of God, I feel like I belong to everybody. I'm in the airport and I'm like, these people are my brothers and sisters. And you see some of them are really sad and you think, oh my gosh, you need to know the love of the Lord. And you see some that are totally happy and you see a kid running down the escalator, you know, totally filled with joy and you're saying, that kid knows he's loved, you know. Uh, and and there's this ability to be present to everybody. Uh, that to me is my what I think of when I experience communion, when I see, think of community. Now, I'm born into a physical community, but I think that community is a place in which I am either educated or forced to come to my need for that Jesus. And so I find that in relationship, I'm disappointed. The other person isn't enough. They can, you know, they, and that is what makes me say, Lord, I need you. Only you save me, Lord. And when I come into that, all of a sudden the same person who was a bother to me becomes a friend to me, even if they don't want to be, because I love them. And this is where the Lord says, your enemy will become your friend. Well, why does your enemy become your friend? Because your enemy is the one who requires, demands, expects, forces the friendship with the spirit of God. And when I have that spirit, when I don't have that spirit, I can be a, in a room filled with people and I don't belong. I can be in a room. I remember one time at Christmas, I, I uh, was just newly sober. I found this deep presence of God. And I remember going into the living room and looking at all of you guys and thinking, we are totally crazy. But it was so much love. Yeah. I love these crazy people. Yeah. I'm crazy. These people, I love them. And I loved you guys in a way that I had never loved you mm. before. I felt like I belonged to the family. I didn't anymore want to go at Thanksgiving time to the crowbar because I wanted to spend time with these crazy people. Like, yeah. There was something new. And so in a sense, when I look at my experience, when I know the presence of God in me, I don't need anything from anyone. And I suddenly want to belong to more. I do belong to more. Whereas when they don't, I can try and craft the belonging, but in the end, there's something missing. So for me, the the circumstances I'm born into, the, the community of people I'm born into are the place that I personally must take a journey, journey to realize I need the one who created me. And when that happens, then both the people that brought me this experience and every person I encounter, the one that's standing on the street corner, the one that's behind the bank teller, the person that's in the high rise building, whether they know it or not, I'm like, you and me are one. And that's where I then like I'm in prayer 
And these people are wrapped up in my whole relationship with Jesus Christ, whether they want to be or not, or whether they know it or not. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, maybe the next St. Paul happens. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe one of the next ones, I know we're getting close here to the end, but maybe there's a conversation about belonging. I think that would be a great way to begin the summer months for our June episode of Rutten Radio. I better make a note of it so we actually remember we said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good we have well, all I, three of us. Joe, you're the... the for all the listeners out there. I mean, I just stopped and I thought, man, do people just sit and listen to us pontificate for an hour and actually care? Like, are there people... Oh, obviously, we, they, you know, one of the last episodes, people really were moved, and I was surprised that the people that reached out to me and just said, wow, I really needed that, or I, 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 that, was, that was good. I liked that. So for those all out there listening, how deeply grateful we are as brothers just to be able to, to live this hour and to be a part of the Rutten Radio show and that you care enough to listen. And I, I encourage you to reach out, leave a little message, let us know what impacted you, just so that we know that there's traction here and that we continue uh, to do it. Yeah, actually, uh, the other side of the Rutten families connected. I, w- I uh, received a message from one of the Rutten Ruttons, right? And they wanted to know how to connect all the cousins that they were with to Rutten Radio. Uh, and so uh, both the Donnellys and the Ruttons now are connected. So shout out to all of the family. We're grateful to be on this journey with you. And now let's close this day. We're thankful for Real Presence Radio. Continue to follow us as we pray uh, the family prayer. Our Father, Father, we we thank thank you for your love and for your many blessings, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another, quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share it with those around us. Direct us to the state and life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. You've been listening to Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio. To hear today's episode again, visit our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, and find it on the Sioux Falls podcast page. You can also find it on our app under podcasts and special events. And be sure to tune in for more Rutten Radio next month. Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi everyone, the Real Presence Radio Spring Live Drive fundraiser is coming up May 8th through the 10th. Please plan to call in and pledge your support of your Catholic radio station. We'll be taking this family reunion all across the listening area throughout the three days from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have a blast and we cannot do it without you. Please consider becoming an active member of this family of faith and hope if you're not already. It's the Spring Live Drive on the RPR Network, May 8th through the 10th. 
Value Visor helps people and businesses discover, improve, and get the value from their businesses. With multi-certified valuation and mergers and acquisition advisors, they understand the complexities of valuations and negotiating in the mergers and acquisitions marketplace. For more information, you can contact Jameson Rounds, managing partner of Value Visor at 605-370-6931 or online at valuevisor.com. Real estate through Murphy Business, Dakota Lakes.